Dan Hafner started developing apps when one he was using wasn't meeting his needs. He had no idea how to code and couldn't afford to hire someone who did. He found a solution using no-code app development tools and now he develops mobile apps for entrepreneurs and business owners. This episode, you will learn how to build apps using no-code tools and how by having a mobile app, you can build your audience as well as promote your products and services. We do some web app development and just kind of general, you know, application development for stuff. Um, but the specialty is definitely in mobile apps and even more specialized, it's inside of the no-code space. Um, so for anyone who's not familiar with that, it is basically the ability to build apps without having to know and write code. Just kind of like you can use ClickFunnels or GoDaddy websites, that kind of drag and drop builder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got into it. Um, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to give you the abridged version. Oh, no. Give us the um, long story. That's what we're here well, from, people. Explain. We want the long stories of all the details and beats and all that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. Well, um, so I never went to school for any of this, to be honest. Um, I My degree is in like political science, and then I have a cybersecurity degree as well. Um, but the, the story kind of starts with my wife because my wife's in the medical field. Um, we started dating. I was a year ahead of her in college. And so we were kind of long distance while I was working in the real world and she was back in school. Um, but she's on this path of, of the medical field. So in the medical field, you go from college, you go to med school, which was where we moved to Virginia to, to live together. And then from med school, you go to what's called a residency. So that was a completely different move. So we went to West Virginia three years later. And then from residency, you can go and get even more specialized, which is a fellowship. So now we're back up here in Pennsylvania. So we've moved um, quite a bit over the past 10 years we've been together now which makes it incredibly hard to hold down a job, um, if, as you can imagine. So I eventually got to the point where I was like, I need to figure something else out on my own, right? Um, so I had basically, we, we were engaged for a couple of years and I had, honestly, I'd gained a little bit of weight because um, I, you know, kind of got complacent and, and that happens. And I was, I was starting to run and get back in shape and work out more. And there was an app I was using that was kind of helping you um, to, to do that with running and working out and that kind of stuff. And just one day I had this epiphany of like, you know, this app's really cool, but I bet I could build something better or something different, you know? And instead of just writing into support and being like, hey, I think this app could do this and that, I was like, you know what? I've been looking for a business idea. I wonder if I could build something like that. Um, that started my journey down this down this path, and I quickly found out that I didn't know how to code, so that was going to be really really hard. I tried to take coding classes that lasted like a day. Um, too, kudos too to much you. typing. <laughs> oh, kudos to you! It's well, learning another language. It's yeah. learning multiple different languages, which to me, you know, I was never a fan of other languages. Well, growing up, I just I you know I took it in high school because I had to, but I never was really a fan of learning them. Um, so then the other piece was like, well, I bet I could have somebody build this for me. And then I went to a bunch of people and they were like, yeah, that's going to be like $100,000, $150,000. And I was like, yeah, don't quite have that just laying around. So I'm kind of kind of screwed, you know. Um, but then I stumbled onto no code stuff. And that's kind of how all this journey began because I literally built the app over and over and over and over again because I'd be in one platform and It'd be like, eh, it's not quite good. It's not quite perfect enough. I'd, I'd rather do this. I'd rather do that. Um, and really what I did through that whole process was built a skill. I built I built something 
that I could lean on as, you know, how people, people build Facebook ads for people, people build funnels for people, email campaigns. I was like, I can build no code apps and I'm pretty damn good at it. Like I, cause I did it so many times. Right. Yeah. Um, and then people just started asking me for, for different things and it started as a hobby and then it turned into a business. So um, so that's the long-winded version that you asked for of how yeah. I got into it. <laughs> yeah, that's great to hear. And so you started out with a with a fitness app. And yep. I'm assuming you were kind of like, cool, I have an example of what I want to build, but I also know what I want to add to this build. So how did you go about finding a platform to, to build on? How did you find your first no-code platform after you really said no to the $100,000 developers and no to learning how to code? Did you just kind of Google... I don't know how to code. How can I do this type thing? Yeah, just started, you know, Googling like no code app builders, no code app software, that kind of stuff. Um, and you'll find there's all kinds of them out there. There's more every day. Um, I was just looking at a new one that launched uh, the other day, uh, which is really, really nice. But there's there's so many out there. Um, and that's kind of what I did was I tried, I don't know, I think I counted, I think I I built the app in like, it was almost 20. It was like 17 or 18 different platforms before I finally found the one. I was like, okay, it's probably the most expensive, but it did most of what I really wanted it to do. And that's kind of the drawback when you use this type of software is you, it's not custom, right? So there are pieces that you just can't really do and you kind of have to make do with what you have, but it's a really, really strong practice in problem solving obviously because you you have to figure out what to do with what you have yeah. you know um so when i found that one i was like okay like this is a pretty good baseline for what i need um and then they also had um you know purchasable like plugins or additional pieces um that i was just like yeah i kind of got to drop the money and do that and it was it wasn't like anything terribly expensive but um but it it was kind of like the out of the box functionality plus some of the paid add-ons that were able to really give it, um, you know, what it could do. And what was the learning curve like? So you're coming in with, you know, basically zero knowledge of coding and you're not looking to, to learn how to code, but you want to make apps. So do you have, talk me through like, what, what's the first screen like? How do you kind of build things out? What does it even look like? Is it kind of like blocks of like, this is the homepage, this is the thing page, or are you like literally building an app visually? Like I have no clue how these things work. That's a really good question. I, I've, I'm so far removed from that time period. I wish I could give you a better answer, but I mean, to give it, to just give you the best answer I can, um, you know, I, so I actually, when, when we lived in Virginia and West Virginia, I, I kind of got into the IT field a little bit. I was like a help desk person. I, you know, people would call in, Oh, my password's broken. I don't know what to do. So I actually got a lot of, um, I kind of cut my teeth in those areas of just kind of figuring out how browsers work and how to troubleshoot things and how you know connectivity works and and that kind of stuff a bunch of different softwares um and then i actually had a job for a while where i worked as a quality assurance tester where i i wasn't the developer i worked with people who developed apps but i was like i tried to break them like i was the quality guy that was like well i think this could look better or this doesn't work or whatever mm. so i kind of had a little bit of a tech background so yeah so i wasn't really starting from zero um but but yeah, when it came to the platforms and stuff, I was starting from zero because it, it, a lot of them are built, and especially the stuff that we use, like it's built so it's very intuitive. And mm. there's like even 
onboarding checklists of like, hey, do this. And it like walks you through with tooltips, like click here, do this. So it's like almost, I don't want to say stupid proof, but it's it's very intuitive to mm. like walk you through this kind of stuff. Um, and then after I kind of got to a point where I mastered that, it was kind of learning, okay, what else can I do with this stuff? Because because that's actually kind of the cool thing that not a lot of people know is even though these things are built using no code and kind of, you know, plugins and, and templates and that kind of stuff is they have the ability to put custom stuff on top of it. Right. Um, so if you know how to write a little bit of code or you can, you know, grab embed code from like YouTube or things like that, um, you can really extend in, you know, the, the functionality of what you have. Um, so then I started playing around with that and then, that learning curve is still ongoing for me because it's it's kind of a limitless thing. I'm always learning like new things we can do. And, um, you know, some of our client apps, like something comes along and I'm like, oh, I wish we would have known this two years ago because this app would have been a lot cooler and that kind of stuff, you know. So, um, I mean, it's not that terrible of a, of a learning curve, to be honest. It can really be it can really be done pretty quickly. And so. You say the learning curve wasn't that hard. It was, you know, it wasn't. It's not too bad. It's, it's something that once you kind of get going, it's it's kind of very easy to to get into. So, how many apps have you built over the? I don't even know how many years it's been, but how many how many years have you been doing it now? And how many apps have you built? Mm, well, there's actually two answers to that question because there's the number of apps that I've built, and then there's the number of apps that I've actually launched. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I've come in and helped. Like I said, for, for mine, I probably built 20, 25 versions of it before uh, I actually launched one of them, yeah. right? Um, so I've built, I don't know, probably over 100, you know, that have either seen the light of day or never seen the light of day. Yeah. I don't exactly remember exact how many we have. I, I think we've done, in the past couple of years, we've done over 20. I don't remember the exact number. Um, and that's both mobile and web apps. Um, cause web apps are actually, you know, marketplaces and those types of things are a lot more complicated to, to actually build. Um, so, I mean, it's over one a month we've been doing it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, you know, also that's kind of why I started the business that I started was because I did see a lot of people try to come in and build these things and fail, mm. uh, because they get lost in that learning curve. And there's, even though they've made it as easy as possible, um, some, some of it's still, you know, you, it's, you, it's trial and error. It's, it's screwing around. It's playing around at night when you're, instead of watching TV, kind of learning how it goes and poking around. So a lot of people don't have the time to figure that out. So that's kind of where I was like, okay, well, that's kind of the service that I provide is to be like, well, if this is what you want to do, we can help you and consult you and help you build it to save you that time. Right. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where, Obviously, I think the future is, you know, people think the future is in tech and everybody should learn how to code. But I think it's actually the reverse of that is the future is in tech that you don't even really need to understand for it to to work. Like, I, I feel like we might get to a point where you could just open up like a Word document and type in, I would like an app that does this, this, this and has this, this, this with a blue back. Like basically, you know, write and describe it and then press like run. <laughs> and then it makes the app type thing. Like, I, I don't know what your view is on on the future of apps, but you know, 10 years ago, what you're doing now wouldn't even be possible. Yeah, no, that's actually cool. I remember hearing somebody, I think that there's somebody actually working on something like that. Now that you say that, that rings a bell mm. of of something, you know, where you can just speak into it and, it and it creates it for you. 
Um, but no, I, I completely agree. Um, so there's, uh, one of the biggest, uh, platforms out there. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's called bubble. Yes. Um, yeah. So like their, their story is really cool. Cause those guys, they sat down and they were like, Hey, how can we, how can we make it? So, you know, the everyday person can create something, um, without having to learn how to code or do all this stuff. And, and figure these things out and hire expensive developers and all, or, you know, whatever. And I mean, it's like, I think they've just crossed like a million people on their platform and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think obviously there's always going to be room for the people who are custom builders. Like I, I relate it to construction a little bit, you know, like there's always going to be the need for people who can do things with their hands, who can imagine things and build things yeah. to, to custom fit whatever situation that you want. Um, and if that's the route you want to go, then then a no-code solution might not be for you. Um, but if you're looking to actually launch something quickly and start competing with the big guys and, you know, and, and just have some skin in the game... Uh, I mean, you can't. There's you can't beat this this type of solution because it, it, you can literally get in the game in like a week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's the time to market is so fast that it's just incredible. So for you, you started out with the health app, then you moved on to however many other apps you've made. You don't even really know what are the type of apps that you find yourself working on the most. Because I imagine it's not things like games so much. It's it sounds like you're making apps for specific purposes. Yeah, so the one the one type of app that we've really started to specialize in and hone in on are um, our coaching and content apps, like people who really want to kind of have their own personal branded one. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of people. I just was talking with a lady today. She's she has a health and fitness company um, mm -hmm. that she runs on Facebook, and she's kind of scared to continue using Facebook. Mm -hmm. because of like you know how, how the, especially in the health and fitness industry like there's all these you know things against testimonials and if you post results and they can be fake and they can you know so they they actually can censor a lot of this stuff mm -hmm. um so really anyone who's kind of scared of needing to <laughs> um you know uh, to be reliant on those platforms but they have a lot of content they have coaching programs they have courses subscriptions that they want to build for people um you know those are really the ones that that work really really well um because we, we I, would, I call it the two c's the if you have content and if you have community um you know that's the type of app that is really um something that we've specialized in we built more of than anything else and so you're building these for like independent entrepreneurs like you said and you know that that's yep. kind of the specialty so you're going and I'm assuming now that you've done it more than once, you know, you're coming in and going, well, the best way that this might work is you need a home tab or this tab, and, you know, building it out like that. So what is the process like for you now? So let's say, you know, I, I'm a Mr. Client, I've got the big butts and I come in and I go, I need, I need an app for my property business. And what I want to do is I want to have all my mentors in one section. And then I want the people that are, you know, finished, I finished mentoring to be able to go into another section. Is, is that something that you can do with no code or is that like a bit too much for the no code type of stuff? No, that's possible. That's, and, and again, um, some people actually come to us and they already have a whole, um, 
existing technology stack mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff that's already built out and already segregated. Yeah. So the cool thing about that is kind of what I said earlier is you can you can take what's already existing mm-hmm. and plug it into this. Okay. There's there's ways that we can do that so you don't have to rebuild the wheel, right? Yeah. Um now that being said, sometimes that doesn't work mm-hmm. because Apple <laughs> I was going to ask you about Google, this, about yeah. about what it's like to publish in in these stores, but c- carry on with that, and then I'll ask you that question after. Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of ties in together because you know, so there's a, and this is just another piece of technology that that's that's really gaining popularity, um, and it's called progressive web apps, PWAs, mm-hmm. right? They they kind of give you the the feel, the look and feel of an app. Um, that but it functions in a browser in Google and Safari on your phone, but it, you don't have to download it from anywhere, right? And the benefit of that is it makes it a lot easier to take if you have existing stuff and just plug it right into there and launch and off you go. You don't have to worry about approval from anyone. You don't have to worry about revenue share from anyone. You can just do your do your sweet thing and no one's gonna touch you, right? It's just like publishing another website. Yeah. Um, but then when it comes to you know, getting those things on the App Store and Google Play. Um, sometimes you run into issues because mm-hmm. they're like, wait a second, you're selling this thing. Uh, we want 30% of that. Of course. And then you're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to give you 30% of that. That's 30% of my business, right? Um, so there are ways that we have around that. Um, you kind of have to know what you're doing. And this is part of where I learned through trial and error in my first, um, you know, health and fitness app was how to get around these kind of things. Right. So it's, it's a lot more complicated and in depth than I'll tell you about on here. Um, but it can be done. It can be done, but it can also be a giant pain in the rear. Like it really, really can. That's part of the service that we do is we help you launch it and make sure that it's live and it gets approved. And we make sure that like, you don't have to deal with any of that. Cause like, actually I just published, um, an app. I'll, I'll tell you about it at the end. Um, last week, a couple weeks ago, and it got rejected nine times. Right. Well, what, what are the times. things that can, can make an app get rejected? I know you're not allowed to have anything pornographic on the app store, nothing uh, with, with like massive violence. Like you couldn't make an app that's just full of violent things. So, you know, the, the obvious types of things that you can't have on the app store. But what, what was the reason that your wholesome apps are getting <laughs> taken down? Yeah, well, so, I mean, and they have so many guidelines um, and they'll cite their guidelines, right? Because it's all automated. It, mm. It's some, A lot of it is automated. Um, but sometimes like one time they said no content was showing up inside of the app, um, which just wasn't true. It just wasn't working on the device they were using or whatever. Um, the other ones were like, Hey, what's your, you know, you have this restricted members area. Um, and then you just have to explain like why they need to, you know, uh, access that area. Um, how do you get paid for it? What's the business model? Cause then they want to know if you're like the next Spotify, they're going to be like, no, you can't really do that. You know? um sometimes just like little um even privacy policy stuff comes in sometimes they're like hey you know you have this feature where you're asking for a user's location but you don't disclose to them that you're tracking their location and you need to do that um so so a lot of times that you know kind of throws red flags for them too which is a really easy fix but not anything you really think of when it comes to creating a privacy policy and a terms and conditions and that kind of stuff so that that gets in the way a lot 
Well, it's, it's like that massive thing that comes up all the time. Do you accept ter- terms and conditions? And, you know, now they've got a bit smarter that you can't just press agree. You have to at least scroll to the bottom and, scroll, and they pretend yeah, like you yeah. read it. But I know no one reads the terms and conditions and that. There's a, there's a Reddit forum that I have used to go on where people would go and pick out weird things in people's terms and conditions. And obviously some of it's, you know, quite serious. Like, oh, we will be tracking your location all the time. And I know Apple's turned that type of stuff off or it asks you when you first get the app, you know, allow once or allow always or allow when using app and all that kind of stuff. But there was also people that would put like weird jokes in their terms and conditions. Like now you've, you know, you've given your soul to me, this type of stuff and all, you know, all that kind of thing. So huh. all all those kind of bits of documents and paperwork, did you have to write those things yourself or did you kind of like, it's same with the no code thing. It's just like a drag and drop version of make a privacy agreement for us, make a, you know, terms and conditions agreement for us. Um, yeah, I mean, for a lot of them, uh, we do uh, have, you know, a basic template that we can kind of work off of. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of it is kind of reviewing if there's specific. So like we did an app for um, a lady. She actually focuses on coaching younger kids hmm. um, like that are actually under 18, you know. So that one was actually one of the biggest pains that we ran into because especially with Google, because they had like, hey, you're, you're, you're saying your app's targeting under 17, mm-hmm. but you don't mention any of that in your privacy policy and all this stuff. So we had to like make sure go and go back and look into the exact wording that we needed to put into there. And it just kind of created this whole different thing. So it's, it's, it's things like that that you don't think about mm-hmm. um, that, you know, even we didn't think about <laughs> that time. So, yeah. So with all the apps that you're making, obviously you know, it's great to think, oh, build it and they will come. But it's also build it and they will come if they know where it is. So how do you kind of market an app? You know, obviously there's social media ads and things like that, but are there any other kind of ways that you suggest to your clients to get people to to download their app? Yeah, I mean, that's actually part of uh, one of the upgraded uh, things if you want to work with us as well. Um, cause that's, that's actually one thing that happened was we saw a lot of people come in and we built the thing and then they didn't really have a whole lot of success. Mm. So there are different ways. So there's, um, just like you said, there's, you know, viral ways you can go on, on social media and go out there and share things. Um, but there's actually a lot of really cool ways you can market your app and a- Apple's actually making it a lot easier to market your app on the app store. You can, it's almost like Google. It's like, you know, you're trying to rank on Google for certain keywords. Yeah. You want your app to rank um, in certain categories for certain keywords. And I mean, you can drive thousands and thousands of downloads a day. There's, I think there's um, five, 500 million visitors to the app store on a, on a yearly basis. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's like a huge, huge untapped market, yeah. you know? Um, so we work with people to make sure that like, you know, you have good looking screenshots and an actual title that indexes well and a subtitle and keywords um, because that can make a difference between getting zero people there or getting, you know, a hundred a day, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, we, there's definitely, there's a lot more than, than, than I could explain in in just a podcast, but um, there's a lot of cool ways. You can even AB test a different listing now in, in, in app, in, in uh, Apple. So you almost like a funnel. You can say, Hey, to, if somebody searches this keyword, I want it to show these screenshots and have this title and this thing. But if they search this keyword, it'll show a completely different one and you can compare those results and then kind of do all that too. So there's, there's a lot of cool things you can do. 
Yeah. So I feel like as much as you're like, okay, I build mobile apps and I help people market them and all this kind of stuff. You're actually, you know, an entrepreneur. You're you're building different arms of your, you know, entrepreneurial kind of talents. And I want to know, is is this mobile app or sorry, no code app company, is this your first kind of entrepreneurial endeavor or first entrepreneurial thing? Because you said earlier, I'm looking for a business idea. So I'm wondering like, is this your first ever thing? Or is this like the first thing you've ever acted on that's been successful? I'd like to know. Yeah, that's a good question. So actually the the health and fitness app that I started was my very first officially created company. Right. Uh, I like made the LLC for it. Like it was the, the that was the first thing. Mm. Um, and that, that app was, it was pretty successful. It's kind of where I learned how to organically market. I learned all this, all these skills for it. Yeah. Um, and then as this, you know, I, I, I then started up this, you know, development agency and just couldn't really dedicate as much time to that one and just kind of let that one peter out and die um, just because I didn't really, when I did some soul searching, I was like, I really, I'm not a personal trainer. I'm, I'm not, I'm not cut out for that field. It was a good idea. And I, and I learned a lot and I validated a lot. Um, but so that one, I guess, technically I failed once at business, uh, in, in that app idea. And yeah. then this has been, this has been the main one for a while. And then we've, I've also, um, you know, actually last year we took on a couple of partnerships. People came to us and they pitched their app idea and I liked it so much that I decided to go into partnership with them, right. um, to actually, you know, kind of, um, be the app, you know, a fractional CTO, call it what you will, you know what I mean? So I'll build the app and we'll get a percentage of, of backend revenue for it. You know, um, I don't do a whole lot of those because obviously that's a, that's a big commitment. You're becoming a part owner in a business, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of been the, the whole story. So. Right. So for you, it's like, you started the app to scratch your own itch and then it kind of was like, cool, I know how to do this. Other people are asking me to do this. Let me just set up a business doing the part of it that I actually enjoy because as much as I had fun building this app, I actually have no interest in putting putting all the content and into the app and, and, and running it. My question to you is, what was in the app and how did you get the content in there? Was it you filming content of yourself or were you kind of like taking it from other sources and, and putting it in like that? Uh, you talking about the, the the running fitness app I had? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's really what it what it came down to. So I did. I had a I had a combination of both. There was, um, there was ways that I pulled in, you know, um, different audios through RSS feeds and and stuff like that, like podcasts and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, so I leveraged other people's content, um, which I learned things about, you know, how to partner with and and do things with that because you can't just you know go do that with some things. You can with some things, but not everything. Yeah. Um, and then part of it was again was. Uh, actual content that I was filming that I was creating mm -hmm. and um, and that's kind of where I started to kind of fall short I feel like you know because I never again I never really went to school for any of that it was just kind of this idea I had of this improvement app of, of one I was using um, so I just I kind of got to a point where I was like I I feel like I have more authority when I do content talking about technology and this kind of stuff mm -hmm. than fitness and, and running and in that kind of world. I feel like there's other, other people who kind of own that space a little bit more than me. So I can't really dominate there, yeah. you know? 
Uh, but I feel like I can get to a point where I dominate in this conversation. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, that was kind of the the soul searching I had to do. I uh, was probably, I don't know, six months ago or so. Yeah. So you, you decided to yourself, right, this is what I'm best at. I'm just going to stick to what I'm best yeah. at and what, what I enjoy. So yeah. one thing I like to ask some entrepreneurs that have businesses that rely on, you know, client turnover and client satisfaction and, you know, just getting clients in general, as opposed to just kind of service-based things. How do you find clients? Where where do you look? Do they come to you? Because, you know, at, at some point there was a point where you were actively looking for people to, to offer your service to. Yeah, that's a that's a very good question, man. Uh, I, I'll be real with you. I tried everything for so long. Like, oh, I could not find, I couldn't buy clients, man. Like it was, it was tough, man. It really was. Um, man, I tried, you know, I, I tried the Facebook ads thing. I tried, um, I did a, a couple of summits before, you know, just a bunch of different, uh, I used to do challenges, which I'm actually thinking about getting back into, um, just a whole bunch of different things. Um, and then truly the, what, what has worked best has kind of been this, you know, either going on podcasts or just doing things organically really has been one of the biggest things that I finally started had, I finally got to a point where people were coming to me and asking me. Um, and then it was really referrals that, that was a big deal, you know, getting into, um, to networking groups and just kind of landing that one client in there. And then they would tell whoever else and whoever else and whoever else, you know, I actually tried, that was another thing I tried for a long time was networking groups. And I would mm -hmm. go in and I'd be like, Hey, I'm Dan and I do this. And everyone would think it was like, dude, that's so cool. I never had like a developer come in here. Yeah. Um, but it it rarely, it rarely went, it rarely converted to clients. It really, really did. And I think that's just like, I don't know if I've ever been that great of a networker, to be honest. Right. Um, or maybe I just didn't have a good intro or whatever it was. I never really tried to perfect that craft. But um that never really, like I said, I got maybe a couple of things there when I was actively seeking them. Um, but, but yeah, that's really, that's kind of been the, been the up and down uh, story of that. I mean, I tried everything when I started, man, I was cold calling people. I started, um, you know, cold emailing, mass emailing, all that kind of stuff. Like it was, it was a lot. <laughs> what, what do you think that's kept you so focused and so kind of determined with, with this company? Like what, what is it that drives you like this? Well, I love what I do. Um, I mean, it's it's fun. It's it's so much fun, and um, I think what 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 like on a deeper level, what drives me, you know, to keep keep this going was that, you know, I I've always wanted. It's not that I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I I have a very hard time having people tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I I've I've. I never knew this till I looked into horoscope stuff a couple of years ago. I, I'm a Leo. I was born in August. So I feel like I'm the king of the jungle sometimes. And I can't, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. Right. For any of you out there who, who get into horoscopes. Um, and I think I, when I first read about that stuff, I was like, okay, this makes sense why I am, why I am, you know? Um, and I think what keeps me going is just like, it's, it's such a, it's there's so many cool things. I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to be a student, mm. and just to see, um, 
you know, the, the, the reaction from people like I helped a girl that lives only a couple minutes down the road from me. She has a cool, like online interview show. And, and once her app got, you know, was launched live, like I've never seen someone so excited. Uh, like she, she was going absolutely bananas. Like, Oh my gosh, my app is live. Like it was so, it was just like, Oh, you know what? Like, that's cool. Like that is really, really cool to see. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm a hard worker, man. I, I take pride in, in knowing that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to outwork people. Like I really, I don't, it's not like I'm like a, I used to play football, so I don't, you know, I, I hate when people say, Oh, I, I just want to outwork people. But like, I, it's not that I want to outwork people. I want to outwork me. I want to, I want to be known as like, like I am, I'll do whatever it takes to make it work. Like I'll figure this out. I'll figure this problem out. I'll make it work, whatever, whatever it takes. Just, it's just the way I'm wired. I don't know. I'm glad you shared that piece of information that you used to play football because that is kind of what I was trying to understand is like, because the mentality to fail and keep going and fail and keep going is, you know, it's an entrepreneurial mindset, but there's also that kind of sportsman mindset, the artistic mindset of, okay, it's not good now, but it might get better or, okay, this didn't work. I'm going to, I'm going to keep going and keep going and going again. So from that, I want to ask you as someone who's clearly very analytical of, of anything they might fail at doing, what was kind of your, your biggest takeaway from your greatest failure? Oh, that's a big one. Uh, my biggest takeaway from my biggest failure. I mean, um, so my, my biggest failure was probably the, the health and fitness app that when I finally decided to lay it down, um, and my biggest takeaway from it was that, um, if you don't create a sound business model, don't go into business. <laughs> like, so, so actually this is kind of funny because, um, the, the, the app that I had created, it was made to pay users. Like you could actually earn money through running and working out and that kind of stuff. Like there's a bunch of different apps like that out there. Yeah. Uh, the problem was like, I had to bankroll that all by myself cause right. I didn't have funding. I didn't have all this stuff. Um, and I had subscriptions, I had other revenue models, but they, it just mathematically there was. I owed people more money than I was making. Mm. And eventually I got to a point where I was like, okay, this is, this is dumb. And I, that was another reason why I decided to lay it down too. I'm like, I can't, I can't just bankroll this forever. This is stupid. Right. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway was that was like, okay, let's, let's think through a business model. I mean, really any seven-year-old could have figured that out, but I was, I was new. I was not raised around any of this. I thought eventually it would take off. It would work out, but I didn't really have a, a solid, um, a solid plan looking back on like, okay, how am I going to make sure that this financially makes sense? And, and I, I was just in love with the, the idea and the, the, the fact that I could actually do it, mm. um, which I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs kind of do. They just fall in love with the idea and um, they get lost in the work. And that's either why they don't get new clients or they don't innovate is because they just fall in love with what they do and it becomes a job. It's not, they lose sight of the vision. They lose sight of, of that. You know what I mean? Mm. So for you, when you were kind of like, cool, I've seen this. I didn't like this. I'm moving on from this. I'm learning. I'm, I'm evolving. Were you reading books? Were you listening to other podcasts? Were you watching YouTube videos? Like, How did you kind of build and grow as an entrepreneur? Was it, was it trial and error? Um. Probably a lot of trial and error, about 90% trial and error. 
Um, but I'm a podcast guy. That's, I mean, that's kind of why I'm here on a podcast. I do my own podcast. Um, it's just the, the form of, it's the medium of content that I just have been attracted to. I've never, I honestly don't think I've ever subscribed to a single YouTube channel in my life. Maybe I have, (laughs) I, I don't really know. I just, I don't really use YouTube in that way. It's just not, it's never been attractive to me, but podcasts for whatever reason, they just, I just love listening. I can listen to them in my car. I can listen while I walk my dog, while I work on my yard, while I do whatever. Um, And I did, I do read a little bit. I'm I'm very bad. I'll, I'll, I'm very bad about finishing books when I start them. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I, I read very slow. I read and I take notes. Right. And I like I, I can't just read a book cover to cover in like two days. Like I, I can't do it because yeah. I'm like there's so much information in here that I want to write down. And I want to remember. Mm. Um, so I've probably started about five books before I finished them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably trial and error, and then podcasts has been my biggest thing. Okay, so trial and error aside, how do you find podcasts? Do you do you go into your apps, you know, podcast apps, and search like business entrepreneurship, or do you have like a, a trusted person that that tells you, hey? Hey Dan, listen to this podcast. You know where are you finding um, them? Yeah, I'm probably the the latter. Probably just kind of either recommendations or going in and searching for things. Um, and I've because I've, I've I don't know if I've, I've rarely been recommended a good one that I'm that I like stick with. Mm. Um, obviously, I listen to my client podcasts because uh, they're my clients and I like to listen and see how they're doing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But, uh, but yeah, probably just, you know, I, I just kind of let the, let the technology do its thing. And it recommends like, Hey, you listen to this show, you'd probably like this show. And then I listen and I give it a couple episodes. And if I like it, then great. If not, then I unsubscribe and I move on to something else, you know? And I actually stopped. I, I, I got to a point where I had too many podcasts I have subscribed to. More podcasts in a week coming into your feed than you can actually physically listen to. It's the worst, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then my phone was like, "Your memory's full," and I was like, "Oh, it's downloading all of these." So, <laughs> You're like, "No wonder." Nah, I need to. I need to get rid of some of these. So, <laughs> so for you and, and your podcast, I, I didn't know you had your own podcast. Talk, talk me through what that's like. What do you do? What do you talk about on there? You know, for yeah. Me so, well, so um, my podcast is actually going through a transition right now. It's been kind of interesting because for a long time it was called Run Your Day, mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of built as a partner podcast to the app, the Health and Running and Fitness app, you know. Um, and the more kind of once I laid that down, I'm like, huh, what do I do with this podcast? I had like over 300 episodes. I think mm-hmm. I'm at like 318. Um, I was like, huh, I don't really want to start a new one. I asked a couple of experts and they said, probably what you want to do is rebrand your podcast because it's, you are over 300 episodes. You're already indexed. Like you don't want to start again. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I renamed it to the same name as my app. It's called mobile domination. Um, we're working on releasing a couple new episodes that are all going to, it's, it's really a shift in content. It's really, I used to be like the podcast used to be very motivational, inspirational, personal development, like rah, rah, let's go kind of deal, um, which I'm glad I did. Like really starting a podcast was one of the biggest things of personal development I ever went through because yeah. I would literally just pull up like the Anchor app where I record and I would just talk for the, you know, the, the first like 40 episodes, yeah. you know? Um, and yeah, that's, that's what it's going to be. So it's going to be, you know, myself and also some experts that I'm having on there 
kind of having this conversation in a deeper way around mobile technology, mobile marketing, um, you know, the no code space, the future of all this stuff, um, just as kind of a way to, to, you know, get my business more out there and, and, the, and the stuff that I do. Um, and then, you know, maybe attract some sponsorship, maybe do some, some other cool stuff with it. So that's kind of where, where the podcast is at right now. Yeah. Okay. 300 episodes deep. That is, that's a real commitment. So I, I feel like Dan, you're like a really committed person. Like you, you find what you like. And once you find what you like, you stick to it or you find something that works and you, you just keep going at that thing and, until it breaks basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, I've learned a lot about commitment and, uh, you know, I'm married, so there's, there's that, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, I've, I, you know, I guess it comes back to playing sports. I, I think, um, you know, it was just kind of drilled in my head as, as a, as a football player, you just, just don't give up. You know what I mean? Like you only lose when you, when you quit, Yeah. you know? And I think that's very true in entrepreneurship too. Like you only lose when you quit you either win or you learn Mm. you know yeah something i wanted to ask you that i i must have forgotten about before when we were talking about your mobile app company is it just you or do you have employees like i'm I'm always trying to figure out like the scale of a business because a lot of the listeners are you know it's just them on their own and i'm assuming in the start it was just you and your own but i want to know like what the progression was like yeah, I mean, it still is basically just me. I have a couple of virtual assistants that help me with some stuff, um, you know, that I graduated to finally. Mm. Um, I'm really looking, hopefully by the end of the year, to kind of bring on um, my first full-time person. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's kind of in the works. We'll see how it goes. It's it's a little bit tricky because I can't I can't just hire a developer. Um, yeah. I need someone who kind of knows more specific of what I do and and how it all works. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so I have some VAs that help me with some of the different, you know, repeatable, uh, quote unquote, lower level, um, you know, type of things for onboarding and, and different things like that, but it still is uh, pretty much me. Um, so it's a lot, but it's, it's, uh, it's fun. It, I mean, it, you really learn a lot more about systems and documentation and processes when you have to do it on your own. So then when you hand it off to someone else, um, it's a little bit easier to do. It's never easy. I've had to do, I, I've ha- actually had a girl that worked for me full-time before and then she kind of moved, well, it was part-time and then she just kind of moved on. She didn't really want to do it anymore. And I was like, okay, then can't really uh, stop you. But um, handing those things off to her was, was a little bit hard for me yeah. uh, for the time she worked. Cause I was like, uh, but she was good. She was very good at what she did. I, but at first I was like, but i want it i need to do it you know like it's yeah. it's a tough thing as an entrepreneur to to let go of so that's the, that's the hardest part about being an entrepreneur is because you have to question yourself like well why have i hired this person if i'm not going to let them do what i deemed as their job you know it's like you're going to yourself okay i've hired this person to to i trust this person better yet because i know people say oh hi and whatever you're trusting this person to perform the tasks or task that you've asked them to perform and you go right i've got i've got Haley here Haley's job is to go in and build the first kind of skeleton of the app. And you think, oh God, what if she builds it wrong? It's like, well, what, what, what have I got you here for? What am I trusting you to do? And exactly. it ends up that you end up having, doing their job and your job, and then you have less time to do your job, but you're still paying them. And you go, oh, I don't see the benefit of having you around or, you know what I mean? But then there's also exactly. the other side of it where 
whoever you hire or you, you entrust to, to work for you, your dream, your mission might not be theirs. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's very hard to suss out who's doing something for the money or who's doing something because this is what they feel like they're meant to do. And they, they're like, oh my gosh, thank you that you've come into my life because I've been dying to build some no-code apps out here. Or I love to keep stuff organized, you know? Yeah, 100%. 100%. So when you're looking to hire somebody, what would that person look like and what might they be doing? Because you never know. One of the listeners might be like, hey, I, I, I've been building some no-code apps or you know what I mean? I might need to get in touch with Dan. So, you know, put put like a, obviously not, you haven't got the job specifics yet, but you know, this person needs to do this and that and maybe like this and, you know, don't really care where you live, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, it definitely remote is is a perfectly capable thing uh, the girl that i was was working for me she she lived in new york and i'm in pennsylvania you know what i mean so so that's not a barrier but um yeah it's not just someone that can can do no code apps i mean it's really you got to be a fast learner you got to be able to to pick up on things and be a problem solver um but you know i also have a very strong relationship with every client that comes through my door mm. my virtual door i guess you could say right yeah um because it is a little bit more of an individual tailored approach and so i mean obviously like project management was never something that i really learned or i had a little bit of experience in a, in a previous job i was in um but i've learned a lot more about that there's there's a lot of nuances to, especially when it comes to software development and project management, right? So even someone that would be that would need to come in and fill a role like that would have to have or have the desire to learn more about project management, which is an incredibly valuable skill no matter where you go, even if you don't work for Dapper Mobile Apps forever. You know what I mean? Like that is a very, uh, especially inside of software development, it's really, really clean and intuitive once you like learn the process of hey we're trying to build this thing it's almost like a it's almost like a war mentality it's like hey like we have this objective and here's how we get there you know what i mean um so yeah that's that's really you know the two types of things that i'd be looking for someone with a similar mindset to you who who can help you with the, the logistical side of things as much as you know possibly helping you with the build outs that definitely makes yeah. sense what is it that brings you the most joy in your line of work? Probably what I told you about earlier, um, you know, kind of having that moment where I get to text the client or email them or however they want to, you know, be, uh, be told about it and say like, Hey, your app's live. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's usually a moment where they respond with something crazy or something funny. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a moment of hope. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a moment of hope um, because you know their their app might do great things in the world, or they might give up on it in a month. Like I, you know, sometimes you just can't control what people do. But in that moment, like they're one hundred percent excited. Like all yeah. of them are like, "This is so cool! This is awesome! We've been working on this for a while. Like this is so cool." Um, that that brings me joy, you know. And I think um, just kind of learning about what other people do. And how they do it and why they serve who they serve is really cool uh, because it, it gives me perspective on on what I do and who I work with and who I serve because, you know, we, I mean, I, I got 
sometimes you just get lost in, in like who and what you're doing and the busy work of the day. Um, but then when you see somebody else just rocking it over here, doing something, you're like, man, like that's a cool business you got. Or, like that's a really cool gig you got going. Where can the listeners find you online? The easiest place is dappermobileapps.com, uh, D-A-P-P-E-R. Uh, we have a whole bunch of different resources there. We have kind of a, a blueprint um, that you can walk through, like a crash course. We have a mastermind that we run every quarter. Um, and we even have, you know, do-it-yourself services, calls. You can book with us, all that stuff. Um, another cool thing, if you really want to see the real deal and what we do and how we do it, you can download the mobile domination app. Um, it's on Apple and Google. Uh, I go live in there. There's live streams into there. There's content in there. Um, some of pretty much everything else that you can imagine about all this stuff is in there. Um, and then what was the other? Oh, yes. Yeah. So and then we you can also uh, access our free Facebook group in there as well, where I also do some free content and interviews and all this stuff about apps. And it's called Mobile App Mastery. Um, and you can access that either from our website or our app. Uh, but it's on Facebook. It's called Mobile App Mastery. It's just a free community to talk about apps and talk about techie stuff and learn from yours truly and all that stuff. So those are the, the three main recommendations I would give. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.